0: Good enough to lift the third off our clean. Watch it, jerk. Shut up, tedious Hello again, everybody, and welcome to that cozy little corner of cyberspace we call the Sunday Night Sandlot, brought to you by so-called com. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, and I would like to welcome you board for what we hope will be an entertaining and informative 60 minutes of fantasy baseball news and analysis. This week, it's all about selling high. We will be taking a look at some players who have been putting together great seasons, but there's some reason to believe that a fallback may be in order and why now may be the time for some profit-taking in the form of perhaps striking a deal with one of your unsuspecting league mates. We'll get to that right after we take a look at the latest news, so if that sounds like a good time to you, then pull up a chair and let's talk some baseball. It is time to introduce my counterpart here in the Cyber Studio. He is the co-founder of so-called FantasyExperts.com, a veteran of the fantasy sports industry, and has been playing fantasy baseball for over 20 years. He is currently in charge of aggregation efforts at the Fantasy Sports Network and is also a member of the inaugural Tout Wars X League. Please say hello to the Roto Daddy himself, Mr. Doug Anderson. Doug, how are you doing tonight?
1: Oh, pretty good, but when you say I've been playing fantasy baseball for over 20 years, it, it just seems like yesterday when uh, I was drafting, I think it was back in 1990. Two or ninety-one—that the first true fantasy baseball drafts—and man, it doesn't seem like there's been that many seasons.
0: No, it sure doesn't. And it's funny because I actually started, as far as organized, you know, official fantasy sports. I actually played football before baseball, and I had my own, you know, game that I had made up with various players and whatnot. But I can actually still remember I drew the first draft pick in that league. And I drafted Steve Young. And uh, actually, I don't know if I won that league or not, but that, that was the first guy that I ever drafted. It's funny how years and years later I still remember that.
1: Yeah, our, our first draft, we actually had something, my first fantasy baseball draft, they had something in this league where you started, the whole league started out with a blind bid. You could write down the name of any player and whatever price you wanted to buy him for. And if you were the highest bid on that player, you got him. So you had to decide, wow. you know, and this was back, you know, Greg Maddox was at his peak and, you know, you, you might write down Greg Maddox for a really cheap price. You might get him, but you might not. Then you end up without the advantage of the whole blind bid. So it was kind of neat. Some years it ended up kind of distorting the league, but it, it was something different. And it uh, certainly added an element of uh, intrigue to the to the start of the draft.
0: Well, you ain't kidding. That's a that's a whole different spin there. Folks, if you're listening live to us tonight and would like to share your thoughts or ask a question in our chat room, please feel free to do so. We have courteous, skilled, helpful, friendly, and woefully underpaid operators who are, will do their very best to make sure your questions and comments are shared with us here on the air. Uh, Doug, the big news in the Tampa Bay area. Now our, our, our razor, of course, back tied for first place again, after taking two out of three from Baltimore, but uh, it was not about baseball this week. The rays were kind of the undercard to the Tampa Bay lightning. How about that? Going back after Lord Stanley's cup.
1: Oh yeah. It was very clear the whole series that they were going to beat the Rangers. I mean, there was no doubt at all. It was, yeah right. Now that yeah, whole series, uh-huh. you, nobody could predict what was going to happen next. You know, home home ice advantage meant nothing, and uh, right. it, I tell you what, come Game Seven, I didn't think they had it in them. I just I, they didn't have the experience, and the Rangers did, and it's just things pointed to me to the Lightning maybe needing one more year to uh, gain that experience, but they pulled it out, and it, you know they did it rather easily uh, in Game Seven.
0: Yeah, and you had a hot goaltender, which what little I know about hockey, that seems to be one of the formulas for success when playoff time rolls around is you get that hot goaltender and of course Ben Bishop was just really, really good. And the Lightning of course are playing really tight defense. And it was it was a great victory, not only for the Lightning, but for the whole Tampa Bay area. It's it's amazing. I have a lot of Twitter followers who are huge hockey fans and just to see the, the passion and the excitement that goes on around hockey. It's just, it's really amazing. And uh, yeah, like you say, it was, uh, it was exciting right to the end. You know what hockey, I don't know a lot about hockey, but what's really cool to me about hockey is some of the traditions, Doug. And I don't know if you noticed this or not. First of all, you got the handshake, which I think is really cool. And you've got the playoff beards and all that thing going on. Did you notice when Steve Stamkos went up to stand next to the Prince of Wales trophy, did you notice what he didn't do?
1: I I read a little bit about it. And I'm rather new to hockey as far as, you know, I've been a mild fan for years, but never really just had the time to get into it. And this year with the lightning and they're so exciting and the playoffs are just incredible. It's the first time I've got into it. And I did read about it. Uh, you don't touch the trophy I guess
0: you don't touch the trophy and and Stamkos was he was in the picture but I, I don't think he would have gotten much closer to the trophy to be fit into the picture he was just being so careful about not touching that trophy and of course the the thought being that you're not going to touch the trophy because you're all about the cup and you want to get the cup and if you pick up the, the, the Prince of Wales trophy then it w- is bad luck so it was it was kind of neat to see Steven Stamkos uh, honoring that tradition. To baseball we go, Doug. Uh, we had a trade this week, uh, and it was between the Dodgers and the Braves, and it wasn't so much about who was involved in the trade, uh, Alberto Caspo, Eric Stoltz, um, uh, Uribe, and uh, Chris Withrow from the other side it was about the opportunity that may have been created in what has been a long jam in Los Angeles. So you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. You know, like you say, the trade, I don't think anybody's paying any attention to Alberto Colaspo, you know, or Juan Uribe. They're both going to be part-time players at best. I think really what we're looking for is if we can make any sense out of the Dodgers third base situation. And I think it cleared it up somewhat, but I don't think it's as clear as people want it to be we'd like to see Alex Guerrero just given that job because it's becoming very obvious that he can hit but the Dodgers are still playing Justin Turner there more often than Guerrero and you've still got Hector Oliveira in the in the background at some point you know he's a 30 year old uh rookie if you want to call it that but he he was brought along with third base in mind it's not going to be second base for him so I don't know what this means it it helps us with Guerrero and I think I like him best he's going to get some time in the outfield as well but I don't think it's as cut and dried as I want it to be
0: no and I know that was what was talked about is hey Guerrero is finally going to get some playing time but as we know the Dodgers are just they've got a ton of talent first of all but of course, they have Oliveira coming to, and then Justin Turner. So it's it's maybe just as big a logjam as before, except uh, with some some different folks in the mix. So w- what do we do now? If 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 you have um, if you have Guerrero, is there an impact here? Do you think or, or or no?
1: Well, I I have to think his his playing time goes up. Justin Turner, I mean, he's playing extraordinarily well right now. But he's Justin Turner. He's a backup infielder who's useful, can play several different positions, but he's playing over his head right now. So I think a little bit what we're seeing is kind of the the Tampa Rays philosophy brought over, except they've got a lot more high-profile names to throw in the mix. So I think what we're seeing is that they're getting a lot of playing time to people in different positions and it's getting the bats going it looks like where you know Justin Turner all of a sudden can contribute in fantasy and Alex Guerrero has value and Scott Van Slyke you know is hitting home runs here and there And so I, I think it's kind of that raised velocity moving to Tampa and for fantasy owners it's it's not always a lot of fun but it seems to be doing okay for the Dodgers
0: no, it's not a lot of fun because anytime you start hearing words like platoon and situational players, everything is just hanging by a thread. If if Justin Turner all of a sudden goes over 13, he may find the bench and and not see any playing time for two weeks. So especially if you're in a weekly lineup, it's a it, it's a real kind of a crapshoot sometimes, especially when you're you're dealing with uh, players that are meaningful to your team. Uh, in the case of Guerrero, though, I, I think he's just too good. I, I think he's going to get some playing time. It's probably not going to be as, as as soon as we would all like it to be, but I think he's definitely going to be someone that, that you're going to want to own. I, I like what I've seen. He does take an awful big swing, but it looks like he's worked out some of the, uh, some of the wrinkles that were in his swing, and, and he's hitting the ball very well. So I, I think this bodes well for him, but as you said, it hasn't hasn't really provided immediate returns. If you're in a weekly lineup league, though, a little piece of news today, I don't know what it is. It seems, we seem to have breaking news on the show on Sundays just about every day. Adrian Beltre, and Doug, I don't know if you saw this, is going to be out for at least two weeks with a sprained left thumb. So if Beltre is a part of your fantasy plans and you're in a weekly lineup league and he's in your lineup, get him out, right?
1: Yeah, I, Yeah. I, <laughs> he's been gone all season as far as I can tell I mean it just seems like this year is you never want to say it's getting to be the end of a player's usefulness but uh last year he was still pretty elite but this year so far as far as I could tell he wasn't there so you know uh you're not going to miss him you're going to miss him because you were expecting more from him but from his production so far, I I think you might be able to find in a mixed league, especially you might be able to find someone who can match what he's doing.
0: Yep. And he has, he's, it's, and and it could just be the career decline. It's quite possible. Beltre has had a, a long career and hitters tend to drop off about this time. And Beltre is, is in that everybody was kind of wondering if last year was going to be his fallback year. So this is the year that maybe Adrian Beltre just, continues to decline, but it's been a great career for them though no, no no doubt about that uh to the disabled list news uh stephen Strasburg to the d l and here's a guy that was struggling um to begin with what do you make of stephen strasburg Doug?
1: well, I guess the good news. I'm trying here because I actually had just made a trade for Strasburg in the uh-huh. Labor League. Um, so the good news is it's not his shoulder or elbow that he's on the DL with this time. So I see that right. as a good thing.
0: Yeah. Who? Let me ask you. We we talked a little bit about Chris Bryant a couple weeks back. Is who he reminds us of. Who does uh, Strasburg, and I don't know if you and I have had this conversation or not, but how, who does Strasburg remind you of <sighs> in, in in the past? <sighs> it's just well, the way me, his career track is. I went. don't want
1: to say it because it's it's it hurts. I'm a Cubs fan, and to me it's it's all yeah. Mark Pryor.
0: <laughs> right. And the the motion between Strasburg and Pryor, they're very, very similar to my eye, which is far from being an expert eye. But I'm going to give you some numbers here for a pitcher that – Strasburg reminds me a lot of, and it looks like his career, and I hope it doesn't, but it looks like it could be going down this track. This pitcher uh, led the league in ERA at the age of 23, struck out more than 200 batters in three of his first, well, five-and-a-half, six major league seasons, and in 2007 led the league in strikeouts, in whip, ERA, and victories. Do you, do you know who I might be talking about? Or if I gave you the team, could you tell me who I was talking about? Ah, I,
1: right now I can't picture it. Too many years rolling around in my head. San, San Diego Padres. 2007. You're going to have to tell me.
0: Jake Peavy. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Jake Peavy, I, from I've made that to comparison. Yep, uh, I've made that comparison with some folks, and the immediate reaction is, oh, no, he's a whole lot better. But if you look back at at how good Jake Peavy was in the earlier part of his career. He was ace quality. I mean, no question about it. But then after 2007, of course, the injury started kicking in, or actually after 2008, the injury started kicking in, and it, it really derailed what was an incredibly promising career. And you don't wish that on anybody, but Strasburg seems to be kind of following that, that track, and he's got that motion that just – it, it, it's a little painful to watch and it's very reminiscent to me of Mark Pryor. So let's see, but to the DL with a, a neck injury, uh, we'll see probably be on the DL for a couple of weeks. I don't know if I've, I've heard a, a time frame when he'll be coming back, but uh, here we go again with Steven Strasburg. So put him on your bench. If uh, you're in a weekly league, uh, another pitcher, Doug, that came back and I kind of was involved with this, with the bullpen breeze column is Sean Doolittle. He looked like he was going to come back and, kind of be eased into the closing role in Oakland but then I guess he went out there for his first uh, his first game and he was throwing 89 miles an hour that's never good is it
1: no and that's that's the key you know he pretty much lives on a fastball it's about movement and velocity and uh you know if you if you're throwing under 90 you're going to have to live a lot more on location so you know back to the disabled list we go you have to be concerned because you know he doesn't have the type of repertoire that he gets by on guile. It was mostly, you know, reminiscent of maybe a Jake McGee, who's who's mostly about velocity. So to me, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's tough. I think if you have him, you have to hold on to him because he was so good when he's right. But I, I'm not too optimistic right now. All
0: right. Um, now, somebody that does get by on guile, is the closer in Arizona right now, which is Brad Ziegler. Ziegler, of course, is a submariner, does not throw hard, relies on guile and deception ground balls to get his outs. And he kind of moved in as the closer when Addison Reed was having some struggles. But apparently Reed has worked a little bit on his his mechanics. He has looked better in his last few outings. And the word coming out of Arizona is that the next – Save chance that comes up. Addison Reed might be the one that uh, that gets it. So uh, check your waiver wire, right, right, Doug? If if Reed is out there on the waiver wire, what do you think? Is he worth a move?
1: I guess so. Uh, this is where I just I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't understand major league teams sometimes. You've got Brad Ziegler with a whip of zero point nine seven, and he's done that. You know. Good whips every year, good ERAs every year, and then they want to go to Addison Reed, who to me has proven that he's a mediocre major league pitcher. You know, he might come back and he might get 25 saves, and, and like he has before with the high three RA. But I. It's just frustrating to see someone like Ziggler, who's done it for so many years, not get that opportunity to to really kind of seal his deal. And he's a very good pitcher, no matter how he does it. So I I guess you jump on Reed if you have to, but hopefully you've got some relievers where you don't have to get in that mix.
0: Yeah, if you're chasing saves, because Reed was not a very popular guy in the draft this year anyway. He was one of the last ones to come off the board as it was. So... I don't know. I'm not not an Addison Reed fan, but if you're chasing saves, he's somebody you may want to take a look at. And by the way, the the column is called Bullpen Briefs. I do it every week, and we have bullpen depth charts at so-called fantasy experts. And literally, I every day and two, three times a day, sometimes I'm checking the bullpen situations in the major leagues, and if there is something looming. We try to get it out there just as quickly as it breaks because chasing saves is just a, it's an exercise in the waiver wire. So when something's coming up like this, we try to get it out there to to give you some help. Doug, another guy is really bouncing back. Well, uh, Gene Segura back from the DL and is hitting really well already. What's what's your take on this guy? Had a really big season in '13, fell back a huge amount last year, but showed some signs that hey, he might be bouncing back this year, and, and here he is back again. What, what do you think?
1: I think we've seen the two extremes with Segura, where he was obviously not as good as he was that that first half of 2013. You know, His minor league numbers didn't back it up, and his second half of 2013. You know, I, it was pretty easy, in my opinion, to, to predict that last year was going to be a pretty big fall but i think what we're seeing is that it there was an overcorrection and he's he's somewhere in the middle he's got good speed and he has shown the ability to hit for a decent average before so i think what we're not going to see is that double digit home runs probably won't see that again but he's a, he can he can hit 265 to 275 and he's going to steal quite a few bases so um just depending on how kind of how far his perception has fallen i think that's that's what how you have to deal with this value, you know, you might be able to get him pretty cheap, and I think he's going to have pretty decent value from here on out, especially the way the shortstop position looks right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is which is pretty bleak. Um, a, a guy that is uh, definitely should be on your radar screen. If he's not, is uh, one of the most dominant pitchers from a couple years back, and of uh, course in Miami is Jose Fernandez. And the news on him is it's looking at some extended spring training, then off on a rehab assignment, and his recovery has gone well. What we're hearing is July 1st-ish is when we're going to see Jose Fernandez back in there again. So, Doug, this guy obviously has shown some elite skills at the major league level. What do you think? Are you buying in that he's going to come back and be everything he was?
1: Well, you know, we can, we never know with, with the Tommy John surgery. Some guys come back. My, Matt Harvey has pretty much not skipped a beat, got right back to be an elite pitcher. Uh, some pitchers do that. Some pitchers come back. Chris Medlin shows some elite stuff, then, then another Tommy John. So I don't think we can know for sure. But what I do know is that there's not likely to be another pitcher out there who might be on some waiver wires that you can get. So to me, if you have the opportunity to get them, you, you You can't get a more upside pitcher than he is. Now, I would imagine that you're not going to see long starts, you know, five, six-inning starts. They're going to probably give him rest here and there. But (laughs) that electric stuff that he's got, if that's back and if he has the command, you know, you have to try for that. You have to go for that. You're not going to be able to get that on the waiver wire in anybody else. Yep.
0: All right, well, we're going to go with this, this last little bit of news. We're going to go really, really deep. And I know there's a lot of guys out there that are in these dynasty leagues that have minor league rosters, and they go pretty far down. And uh, I've got a name for you. And, Doug, you'll remember the name Willie Adamas, right, was the one of the, the prize prospects in the, the Rays David Price deal. And uh, you, you, have you ever seen him before or no?
1: No, I haven't. I know you told me that uh, he's not exactly your uh, little little uh, scrappy shortstop.
0: No, I I got the opportunity to go see. He's playing in Charlotte right now with the Charlotte Stonecrabs, and I had the opportunity to go see them play a couple weeks back. And uh, at that time, he caught my eye. Whenever I see somebody that's putting up good numbers, I'm kind of like, okay. But then when I see them play, I really leave with an impression. And yeah, like you say, he's he's big. I I don't think he's going to be at shortstop much longer. He has the look of a either a third baseman or a corner outfielder. I was really impressed with the skills and the numbers are very very good. He right now at High A is batting 3.15, OBP of 3.76, slugging 4.64. He's hit 2 homers, driven in 22. He is either leading or tied for the lead in doubles with 13, and he's in the top six in batting average, OBP, uh, just a plethora of categories, Uh, really performing well. But the thing that jumped out at me, he's 19 years old, and he's doing this at high A. That's impressive. And I saw the tools. I saw what this young man can do with a bat in his hands. And I think he has a really great future in professional baseball. So, If you're in a league that's deep enough, put the name Willie Adamas on your watch list or maybe on your roster, because I was very impressed with what I saw, and and I know the Rays were very happy to get him in the David Price deal. i got something else, Doug, to tell you about that game. You know, they say when you go to a a baseball game, you may see something happen that you've never seen before. Right. I've been watching baseball for a lot of years. This is going to be a tough one to top. Adamas (laughs) was playing shortstop. And he started a triple play. Okay, that's, wow, cool. That's that's nice. Hey, you don't see a lot of triple plays, right? The pitcher for Charlotte, Buddy Borden, threw a no-hitter. First no-hitter I've ever seen. So we had a game with a triple play and a no-hitter. <laughs> so that, that's not something I'm betting that happens every day. And <laughs> I know it was the, fir- the first time. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Especially not. The triple play occurs for the team with the no-hitter. That even yeah.
0: adds on top. For the team with the no-hitter. And just quite a, and I think it was an error that had put the runner on first base, but yeah, it started triple play, and then then Borden goes out and finishes his, his no-hitter. And quite a uh, quite an amazing day, and just one of those things that you, you looked up, and you're like, hey, he's got a no-hitter goal. Wow, how about well, that? That was and, part and of a double, double-hitter, wasn't it? That was part of the doubleheader, and it was really good to get to see because there's some really intriguing and exciting prospects at at high A for the Rays right now. So it's the future looks bright. It's it's you know we've been struggling with some injuries this year, but I, I think there's going to be some guys come up that are really going to be fun to watch over the next uh, next few years. Well, as far Folks, as the comments goes, right.
1: oh, I was just going to say if if listeners don't know the Florida State League. Is really known more as a pitcher's league, and you don't see elevated offense numbers that often. So, what he's doing is is impressive. It's not a it's not the Pacific Coast League we're talking about.
0: No, and again, he's nineteen, and that's yeah. just uh, an amazing uh, an, an amazing thing that he's doing. And they also have a couple other players, just real quick. Jake Bowers is one. Uh, Andrew Velasquez, who I didn't get to see, he's uh, injured right now. And uh, they have some very intriguing prospects down there, and just a couple of good pitchers as well. Good, just a good, good team to follow because you know, in three or four years we may be talking about these guys in a, in a Tampa Bay Rays uniform. So, folks, you're listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts, co-founder Doug Anderson. Tonight, we are talking some fantasy baseball sell-high candidates, players that are off to huge starts but are probably due for a fallback and why now might be the time for you to cash out. Doug, talk a little bit about if you've got a player that you're trying to sell high on. The first thing, you need to find a buyer, of course, right?
1: Right, and you know some of the players that I've talked about aren't necessarily guys that I would sell high on. But they're overperforming, they're overachieving what they've done before. So I, I think, as you say, when, you're, when you do have a player that you think is due for a fall, if you know that, does everybody else know that? So it's more about, or it's just as much about perception as it is about what they've done. You know, if, if everybody in the world knows that, I'm just trying to look at a player, um, Mike Moustakis, if everybody in the world knows that he's not going to hit 340, how can you still sell high on a Mike Moustakis? You know, because he's doing better than yep. he ever has, but can you sell high on a player like that? So I think that's the challenge, is, is dealing with the perceptions. Fantasy baseball players are a lot smarter than they used to be. There's a lot more information out there, and you can't just say, oh, he's hitting 330. He must be great. You know, So it's a little harder these days, I think, than it used to be.
0: Right. Well, let's start right off, and we'll just kind of work our way around the diamond here. Let's start off with a couple of catchers. Uh, We talked about Stephen Vogt last week, and this is a guy I think it might be difficult to find a buyer just because it's so far off the scale of what he's done throughout his career. And, of course, he plays in Oakland. It's kind of a nondescript. uh, You know, you don't see a lot of coverage from Oakland, and it's a hitter's park. But you've got Stephen Vogt, and you've got Derek Norris. Uh, Norris is is intriguing as well, but he also is way over his career norms. So talk a little bit about those two guys and uh, what are the difficulties maybe in finding a buyer for either of those two.
1: Well, I, I think you hit it because you, Stephen Vogt is—he's real. He's got power. The power is real. He showed it last year in the second half. The power really came on, and he's had that. But there's no way he's going to hit. 322. There's probably no way he's going to get 300. So, I think if you're trying to sell what he's done now, you're, you know, you're not going to get it. So, I think what you do is you sell a 270 hitter with good power at catcher, and we talked about the shortstop position, and catcher with all the injuries, shortstop with just the lack of talent, you know, but vote is pretty valuable. So, you got him cheap. I don't know if you want to sell high. Because this is one of those situations where you might sell high, but you might also be trading maybe a top five, top eight catcher, even after the regression. So that's the question you have to ask.
0: It boils down to whether or not you're a believer. Yeah. But if you can can sell a catcher and say, well, he's still going to hit 280, okay. And what sometimes... Players, fantasy players lose sight of is that if Stephen Vogt does hit 280, he's hitting 322 right now. That means he's going to hit probably, I'm, I'm making up numbers here because I'm not that great at math, uh, 265 the rest of the way. So for the guy getting him in the other end of that deal, he's going to get a guy that's hit 265. At the end of the year, he'll be at 280, but between now and then, he's only hit 265 to get to that 280. So that's so think, always something to keep yeah. in mind with an overachiever.
1: I think what you do is you try to trade vote for a catcher that you know might not have those numbers, but they're the same. Maybe you can trade vote for a Yasmani Grandal, who's probably the same hitter as vote is. Got the power and gonna hit you know two seventy ish if everything works out. So try to trade him for something like that, and then get some icing on the cakes. And I think with a lot of these players, where fantasy baseball owners know that there's probably a regression, what you're trying to do is maybe not so much about getting the ultimate value out of the player, but getting value added on top of it, on top of another player that you need to improve on. I think you have to work package deals nowadays when you're talking about selling high.
0: And address the need. If you need stolen right. bases, but your team is, is killing it in home runs, maybe you can part with vote And a guy that is coming back is Jonathan Lucroy, who has kind of, everybody's kind of forgotten about him, but He's somebody that's in the conversation with Buster Posey is the best catcher in baseball. So if Lucroy comes back and is doing things that Lucroy has done consistently over the last few years, if you can flip, say, somebody like a vote or a Norris as part of a deal to land Lucroy, you may work out really, really well and have realized a heck of a lot of value for players that cost you nothing.
1: Right. I think that you're kind of locking in, you know, you, you played a little bit of uh roulette and you landed on, I don't, I don't gamble. I don't know how this works, but you, you hit the <laughs> jackpot. Uh, here I am with all these right. Vegas illusions. You hit the jackpot with vote and you can kind of lock it in if you can trade it for a LaCroix or, you know, something in like that. So it's kind of locking in your value and making sure that you really did hit the jackpot.
0: Right. Now talk a little bit about Derek Norris. Is he kind of in the same the same ballpark as vote, do you think? Or is there maybe a, a little more, usually kind of a low-average guy, but decent enough power?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, Norris is just one of the names I see out there. You know, what I did when I was looking at these players is uh, thomasgeorge.com has this fantasy baseball value calculator. Um, and you can do it for in-season, which is what I like. You see a lot of that in the preseason as we get ready to draft. But it's nice to kind of see what kind of values they've earned so far. And I put in 18 team mixed league just so I'd see a lot of players. And it comes up with Norris as the fourth most valuable catcher in a tight group. And uh, it's not so much about his numbers now, it's that 32 RBIs. You know, can he continue that? The San Diego offense has obviously improved. And that 278 batting average, that batting average is going down. And with it, the RBIs are going down. With that said, does anybody want to pay value for Derek Norris above and beyond? There's right. a, we talked about catcher kind of being, you know, the, a, a problem area. It's not because there's not some decent catchers out there. There's a big group of mediocrity. There's some usable catchers, but right. so nobody's going to go out of their way. I don't think to trade for Norris. So if you have them, I think you just sit with them, and you know you're you're getting a decent catcher.
0: Yeah. Let's roll on to first base. Now the first guy that you have on your list is a favorite of mine because I've, I've noticed something happens. We, we, we put the player up as a top, top prospect, you know, an elite prospect, the number one prospect, whatever. And it seems to take forever for them to fall from that perch. But once they do, it seems really difficult to get them back up there again. And Eric Hosmer, not that long ago, Hosmer and, and, and Gordon, were two guys that, boy, everybody was just going crazy about. About, you know, these guys are going to be elite hitters. And I think Alex Gordon right now is one of the least appreciated players in baseball, yeah. real life, and fantasy. But we're talking about Eric Hosmer right now, who is just killing the ball, hitting uh, 302, 30 run, uh, 31 runs batted in, and he swiped three bases. Uh, I, I don't know, Doug. I, I, I think that we could be seeing something. I, I think Eric Hosmer is going to hit 285, 290 for a while. I, I really believe in the guy, but uh, what do you think? You, you're seeing some regression coming though?
1: Well, to me, I'm selling high right now on Hosmer. I like him. Like you say, he can hit 280, 290, but the power, if you look at Hosmer's batted ball profile, you can't hit for power. Every year of his career, we're talking about now it's a slightly better this year, but a ground ball percentage 2012 53.6 percent, 2013, 52.7 uh 51.2 you know, it's I guess it's trending the right way, but he's still hitting ground balls on half of the balls he hits. Ground balls are good for a batting average, so you're going to get a solid average, but they're not good for power, they're not good for RBIs, you're not going to get the home runs and it's not a big-time stolen base. So to me right now, I think some people see this as kind of a breakout. I don't really think it's there. I think he's going to struggle to hit 15 home runs. He's a decent hitter, but I think right now the perception is that he's he's more than that.
0: Yeah, and uh, another guy that I think you're going to have a trouble finding a buyer for is Kendris Morales, although he, he came really cheap in just about every league but what do you think are we going to be able to find a, and I I agree I think he's due for a regression but are we going to be able to find a buyer for him what do you think sorry
1: I think I, I had myself muted oh. no I'm here
0: oh <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, had I myself was feeling muted all by myself there for a minute
0: I was like where, where the heck did everybody go
1: <laughs> uh, allergy season so, uh, trying to fight the cough
0: ah uh, Kendris Morales uh, we going to be able to find a buyer for him or not?
1: I don't think so. I think people remember what he did last year, and uh, you know it was no spring training. So I'm a buyer as far as I, I believe a little bit of what he's doing. And evidently, this Twins offense—they're they're actually trying to score runs this year, because, and it's working. Uh, despite just six homers, 37 RBIs, 32 runs, he's hitting three oh nine. I don't buy the batting average. You know, maybe six years ago I do. But he looks like a different player now. So, yeah, I don't think you're going to find somebody to pay what you need for what he's done. And he's not going to continue at this pace. But you know what? If you've got him at your corner or a utility slot, which is probably where you got him, you know, or you probably had him on your reserve roster even. So I think you stick with him. And unless someone pays full value, you, you just like what you're getting.
0: Yeah. We're all over to second base now. And uh, I'm going to talk about a guy that, uh, I don't know, what are you, Jason Kipnis. He is a guy that if I can get <clears throat> value for Kipnis, I'm going to think a whole lot about selling high. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, April of this year hit 218. In May, he's hit 445. <laughs> <laughs> June of 2013, which that was his big year. June of thirteen, he hit four nineteen. So, is this a case of somebody who's putting up a big month or two, and is just kind of ordinary the rest of the way? And maybe right now, with that big May that he has had, might be the time to cash in on Kipnis. What do you think?
1: Well, I, I think there is a chance. I think I like Kipnis, and I think he's, he obviously has value because he contributes in a lot of different ways. But just looking at his track record, you know, in the minor leagues, he hit 300 a couple of times, but the major leagues, we're talking about someone who looks more like a 270 hitter. And right now he's mm-hmm. hitting 338. So I think oh. if, if you're selling as a 300 plus hitter, I think you, and you can get that value. I think you can do it. Just don't be too quick to do it because he does add stolen bases. He does add run score. You know, he contributes everywhere. So don't, Sell to, you know. Make sure you're getting top value.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because it's, it's it's does you no good if you sell low on <laughs> these guys. You know, if, if you but if you can get somebody who is believing in what Kipnis is doing, and again, he had a big year in 2013. But it's how he put that year together that concerns me a little bit. Uh, shortstop Doug. Uh, we we talked about this guy last week, and let me throw him out there for you, Brandon Crawford. Yeah, having you know, big. Yeah, having a big year, but way, way outside his normal range, huh?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a chance that he makes a small step forward. We're talking about a player who's at 28. You know, there's no law that says you make big leaps forward at 27 or career years. So I, I think it's likely that we're seeing a career year, and he's he's better than what he has been. But we're not going to see a 300 hitter. There's just nothing in his career that makes you you see a nope. 300 hitter. So I, I think we could see 15 home runs. I think you could see 270. But like you say, from 300 to get to that 270, what's going to happen? So you know, you've got to be ready to absorb that yeah. regression if you're going to hold on to him. But if someone's buying that he's that type of player, then by all means, you you do it. Yeah,
0: and based on what we saw Crawford last. Very very consistent. 248, 248, 246, and then this year he's hitting 300 even, uh, and and BABIP, which that's one of the very first things that I look at when I, I start thinking about is a is a performance for real or not, and it's 354, so that yeah. tells me he's got some fortune on his side too, and and he just his career profile just is not a, of a 300 hitter. Maybe it's a breakout, but. If you can find a buyer, Brandon Crawford, I think is a real good, uh, a real good sell high candidate at this well, point. Uh, talk right to, now,
1: sorry, right now, you know, I, I told you I'm using the dollar value generator just to kind of get an idea of you know what they've done this season in, in relation. Right now, for that 18 team 18 team league that I input, Brandon Crawford is your second most valuable shortstop at $32. So that's what wow. he's done, and there's no way that's who he is.
0: Boy, oh boy, that's 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 hard, to, and that's hard to conceive of, isn't it? That Brandon Crawford is the most valuable fantasy shortstop out there. Uh, talk a, talk a little bit about somebody else, Doug. Uh, Jose Iglesias. You think he's a he's a candidate for a sell high? <laughs> the,
1: I, I tell you what, he's done it before, where he he gets in this hot streak. And he pretends he's a major league hitter, but what you're really looking at is a defensive specialist who, hopefully, could hit 270. I mean, if you look at his career numbers in the minor leagues, uh, he had one year in AAA where he hit 235. You know, uh, so we're looking at 338 right now. Now he's added some speed, so he likes to see that. So he does have use, and maybe he is a 270 hitter. And so you know, at, at shortstop, that's usable. But right now at three thirty eight, it's just it's not going to stay there. And if you can trade him for something, get an upgrade somewhere else, do it because he's going to hurt you in batting average before it's all said and done.
0: Do you play in any leagues where fielding percentage uh, counts?
1: No, I don't. And To tell you the truth, that would just <laughs> no. be a nightmare. There's, there, it's a, stats go deep enough as it is. I can't keep up already. Uh, so uh,
0: but yeah, he might be picked and, and if anybody's buying in on, on Iglesias, then yeah, absolutely, it's uh, it's time. Now, here's a guy, and, and Doug, I'm going to go back to my post-hype uh, sleepers again uh, and move over to third base and talk about another Kansas City Royal. Uh, how about Mike Moustakis? Uh, not saying they kind of come back to earth, but what do you think? The guy swings at just about everything that gets to the plate on the fly, but uh, he's killing the ball right now. Uh, but you think he's a buy, He's a sell high?
1: Well, I think you have to. You just look at that career, and you know, first of all, the batting average—it's never been where it's at now. In any year, you have to go back to 2010 and Double A, even with the impressive numbers he put up as a prospect, he had to go back to Double A before he had an average over 300. So he's not a 300 hitter. And right now the power, he's got five homers, so the power hasn't been out of line. So what you're looking at is a, you know, a, mostly a result of BABIP. You mentioned BABIP, 342 BABIP. His career batting average on balls in play is 268. So you're talking about a you know 80-point jump in batting average on balls in play. You know Maybe some of that's due to his line drive rate improving, but not all of it. So you're going to see he's going to hurt you in batting average, and the power is nothing that you're going to miss if somebody wants to pay for what he's doing right now.
0: Right. And when someone is this far over his career norms, that fallback is really going to hurt. If, if Moustakis, heck, if Moustakas hits uh, uh, 275, 280 this year, which would probably be a, a nice year for him. You're looking, cause he, he's at uh 322 right now. You're looking at, at you know, a, a 250, 260 something the rest of the way. So, I think a good sell high if you can find somebody who's going to buy in on it is is uh, is uh, is uh I, Okay, Doug, Alex Rodriguez, you, you don't you th- don't think this is real? Uh, you, you really <laughs> think that it's uh, that, that we should try to sell high on a Rod, huh?
1: In what way don't I think that it's real? Uh, are you talk maybe in an Ivan <laughs> Thrago? I must break you away. Uh, yeah, you know I I think what. We're, we saw here at the beginning of the year is that pitchers thought Alex Rodriguez was kind of done and they didn't respect him what we're finding out he's still got enough bat speed when he's ready for the fastball and we, I, I saw it in person against the Rays that if, if he's ready for the pitch and he, he can guess us right he can still hit the ball a long way but I also saw, as the, the series went on, that the Rays figured that out, and they were able to get him out. And I think that's what's going to happen as we get around the league. Alex Rodriguez is still going to hit an occasional homer, but I I don't see him continuing to do what he's done so far.
0: Yeah, and it, it, again, if you can find a buyer, if you can find somebody that's that's going to buy in that, oh, you know, A-Rod is back, he's going to be doing a lot of the things that he's done. And if you can find somebody that's going to buy in on that, then this may be his highest value he has all year. And possibly if you can put an upgrade in somewhere else, you know, get a guy for stolen bases, whatever, maybe you can cash in on that name value. And we're going to talk a little bit about name value when we get to, um, when we get to the pitchers, um, we're going to move to uh, the outfield uh, real quick. Uh, Doug, Steven Souza. uh, you're not a fan. You're a Tampa Bay fan, man. What's what's up? You're you're bailing well, out on the home team.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'm not. It's not that I'm not a fan, and I, I put him on here as someone who you know to ask that question. Do you sell high? But the thing is, with Sousa, I don't know if it's selling high because nobody really realizes what he's doing. Sousa right now has ten homers, and I think it's seven stolen bases. Now, I, just want, I need to check real quick how many at-bats he's got. But if you extrapolate those numbers out, what are you talking here? You're talking about 30 home runs plus, and you're talking about 20 plus. So a 30-20 player. So I put him on this list not so much because I think you should sell high, but just to kind of let you know what he's doing, can he continue that? I I, I think he can. I think the question is, you know, for me – is that batting average going to hurt hurt you too much? So, I mean, what what do you see in Souza? Do you you like him? you think he can continue with the power and the speed?
0: Um, With the power and the speed, absolutely. But uh, Chris Young was real good at power and speed, too. What was the problem? Uh, You know, you were were pretty much getting a, a 230, 235 average every year. And that's what I'm afraid you're going to see with Souza. He's got that, 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 that long swing, and I, I I see him get fooled an awful lot. Uh, tremendous athlete, and especially for the size that he is. And I think the power and speed is going to be there. But as you said, are you willing to trade a low batting average for it? And unless he comes up with a way to make more consistent contact, put the ball in play with authority more often – we're going to be dealing with the same things we were dealing with, with, uh, with Chris Young back in the day, some stolen bases, some home runs, some RBIs, but almost nothing uh, and, and a hindrance in the way of batting average. So, um, well, let's see. Uh, Dexter Fowler, Doug, your first your your hometown team raise, and now you're, you're picking on your cubbies. What's up?
1: Well, I, I think it just goes to show you that we don't mix uh, fanhood With fantasy, Uh, you can't let your your teams of choice uh, interfere with your fantasy. And I think if you have Dexter Fowler right now, you just need to slap yourself on the back. Nice job. You just got 11 stolen bases where you thought you might get 11 stolen bases for the whole year out of Fowler. I like Fowler. He does a little bit of everything. He's going to score a ton of runs in Chicago. But if someone wants to buy that, he's going to steal – you know, almost 40 bases, the the 30-some bases he's on pace for right now, that I think you need to sell. So I like him. He's going to score runs. But the Cubs seem to have plenty of fans out there who are irrational. So far be it for me to say that. But I think Fowler's a player you can probably get more value from in trade than he'll have for the rest of the season.
0: Uh, let me let me throw a guy out there to you that is one of my picks for uh, the opportunity to sell high, and you may be able to get value because I think there's still some some upside, or at least some perceived upside there. I'm talking about Lorenzo Kane from Kansas City. Uh, here's a guy that hit 329 in April, and if you look through his career history, he does really well in April. Uh, in May, 279 the numbers still look good. He's at 304 right now with nine stolen bases. He scored 34 runs, 20 RBIs, but against left-handed pitching, he's hitting 375. So an awful lot of those numbers I think are being inflated by, by his success against lefties, which can he hit 375 all year? It's kind of hard to kind of hard to imagine that. So he's a 282 career hitter. And let's just say he's going to finish at 285 or whatever, I think you have an opportunity here with Kane to get a pretty decent return if you have somebody believing that hey maybe this guy's going to turn it around and be what he was in April. What do you think?
1: I I, you know I like Kane and I I like what he does because he has a little bit everywhere. To me, you know, like you mentioned, it's all about name value. The big playoffs last year and. and, I was a little bit surprised this year in drafts that Kane didn't go a little higher because a lot of times people get all worked up. I remember B.J. Upton when he was with the Rays and had that incredible playoff run. Well, the next year, oh, he's going to be a 30-home run, 40-stolen base guy. you know, And people went crazy because he had that hot playoff run. And I think I'm a little surprised that Kane's name doesn't carry more value with it. One thing when I'm looking at Kane, I see this year his batting average on balls and plays at – 364 so i'm thinking all right well he's been a little bit lucky last year it was 380 (laughs) this is from a right-handed hitter you know he's got the good speed um i like him if i can sell high i will but i'm not too sad about keeping him either
0: all right well i'm going to run one more of my uh, outfield uh sell highs out there for you and uh do a little guessing here if you don't mind um this uh, outfielder on May the 5th was batting two forty five He's currently hitting three twenty nine Would you like to take a guess? Hmm. Who's been hot lately? <laughs> <laughs> Too much it's DFS. You almost never see his name. Almost Not. never do you see his name in commercials or anything stop. like that. He's, you know he's how pretty I do with pressure. Yeah, a, uh, his his career high batting average is 274 in his three major league seasons, and his career high is 139 games. Talking about Bryce Harper. <laughs> can you sell if high? a deal? It, it, I I This is one where I think you can. And this is one that, that kind of separates the wheat from the chaff when it comes to selling high, because if you firmly believe that what we have seen from Bryce Harper Is not what his career track is going to be over the last, and you know, we're talking three and a half weeks here because May the 5th, the guy was hitting 245. He has an injury history and he's never hit over 274 in his career. If you think that that's what we can hang our hat on with Bryce Harper, you will probably never have a better opportunity to get a huge return on a trade for him right now. Uh, but, as I say, if you if you guess wrong on this, and, and this is not something I would recommend, by the way, in a dynasty league or a keeper league, if you guess wrong, of course, you look like an absolute goof. But if you guess right, uh, you have a chance to to realize a huge return here. And, and Doug, am I out of my mind?
1: Uh, I'm selling high. I am. And I'm going to trade Bryce Harper for a pretty good offense player and a nice upgrade somewhere else. And I'll tell you why. And you hit on a couple of them. Uh, injuries. I, even I, who Bryce Harper rubs me the wrong way, I like the way he plays the game. He hustles all the time, and he plays a violent game for baseball, but that also leads to injuries. The other thing is, right now he's hitting two ninety eight against left-handers. He's never done that before. Uh, maybe he's made a huge leap against left-handers, but I'm going to say more that it's a little bit of a sample size issue. So and the, the batting average is not going to stay where it's at. So I think what you're looking at is he doesn't really run much anymore because of the injury issues. He's got two stolen bases. So we're not talking about a, a even a 15 stolen base player here. We're talking about maybe he reaches double digits. I don't think he can hit. I think if he hits 280 by season end, I think that's good. So I think if you can sell right now yep. for – what is, I think you do it, and I don't have a problem doing it. Um, I just want to make sure I'm getting good value because he's going to be a very valuable player. It's just a matter of he's not the five-tool five, five tool player that everybody wants him to be.
0: Right, and again, if you guessed wrong on this one, this could be one that, that yeah, I don't want to say it would wreck your season, <laughs> it would sure put a crimp in it. But there are some, some numbers with Bryce Harper that definitely are are – food for thought as to what he will do with the rest of his season. Doug, anybody else you want to talk about among position players before we get to the pitchers?
1: Uh, Not really. We hit on the main ones. You know, there's some other players. I think the, the the, right now I mentioned players, fantasy players are so smart nowadays that they don't jump too quick. Johnny Peralta, another player who's, he's actually the most valuable shortstop. Uh, Crawford was Mm -hmm. second. Johnny Peralta, most valuable shortstop. But people know, you know, they know he's a good shortstop, but they know he's not the best. You're not going to trick anybody with Johnny Peralta. So I think that's the key, is it's all about perception. And in, any, in every league, it's going to be a little bit different. But those are the main hitters I think we needed to cover.
0: All right. Uh, folks, you were listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder Doug Anderson. Tonight, it is all about fantasy baseball sell-high candidates. We're looking at players that we think are due for a fallback and why right now might be the time to cash out on those players and uh, you know, kind of put those uh, put those gains into another, another area of your team that you might be in need. Doug, uh, to the mound we go, and I'm going to throw out, the first name I'm going to throw out is one of those name value guys, guys that... You you can throw out there, and because he's gotten a lot of publicity, and he's had some good performances in the past, but a lot of name value here. And you know what? He's back. He's he's back with a vengeance. Tim Lincecum, ladies and gentlemen, he's back, and he is the the Lincecum of old. Right? Is it time? Could could we? You think we could find a buyer for him, Doug?
1: I'll tell you what, I'm about the biggest sucker for pitchers like Tim Lincecum there is. I love strikeouts. I love these, you know, to me, the the ultimate season for me to draft would be a pitcher who gets 300 strikeouts. I just, I love pitching and I I like to see strikeouts, which is why you couldn't sell me high on Tim Lincecum because you're looking at a strikeout rate that just keeps falling right now, even with his success this season. Right now you're looking at seven point one one strikeouts per nine innings. So he's he somehow convinced the baseball guys that he should have a little bit of a run this year. But between the strikeout rate, you're looking at an xFIP of four point two six. You know, however he's done it, if you can sell it for for that value, you do it because it's not going to stay there.
0: No, and it, it, but he's somebody that carries that name value. And right. I, I looked at Lensicum. The home run to fly ball rate bothers me. Uh, the last three years, fourteen point six percent, twelve point one percent, thirteen point nine. This year, seven point five. He's given up I think four four home runs in fifty seven innings. That's that's gonna that's going to correct itself. Fifth, the fielding independent pitching is three eighty six. His earned run average is three. So if you can find a buyer for Lincecum and can cash out, I think the, the odds that he's going to sustain that three ERA the rest of the year, pretty, uh, pretty small indeed. So, but, and he's somebody that you might be able to use that name value and and get a nice little return. Doug, you got another guy on your list from the hometown team. What is going on? Now, Jake Odorizzi, we're, we're not supposed to believe in, in what we've got here and, and is it time to, to move him for some value?
1: Well, again, I, I didn't put these names out there as all of these guys are. Th- I think we should sell high on. These are guys I thought we needed to look into. So it's not necessarily that I think we should sell high on Oda Rizzi. It's do we buy what he's doing so far? So for me, it's just amazing to me what pitchers do when they come to Tampa Bay. I don't know if it's the pitching coach. Uh, the ballpark is you know a good pitcher's park. But do we buy Jake Odorizzi as an ace? Because that's what he's been so far, with the exception of the wins column, because the Rays don't score runs for him. He's been a fantasy ace. So, you know, are you, do you buy Jake o- Odorizzi as an ace?
0: I don't buy Odorizzi as an ace. I buy him as a, a three, maybe a two. But I do not buy him a, a, as an ace. I just, the, the strikeout rate just... It doesn't doesn't impress me as as being ace level stuff that he has, but, but I think he's good. Uh, but I don't think uh, he's he's going to be uh, what's the ERA right now two thirty one. That's no, just no way. I, I don't think he can sustain that. But you, you hit on a couple of, of interesting things with pitchers coming to Tampa Bay. But I remember when that trade happened, when the Myers trade happened, one of the names that some real knowledgeable people that I know were talking about was Oderizy. That he was. He kinda of came in as a throw in and apparently he had some uh he had some uh, some potential and he's obviously realizing that potential. But yeah, if you can sell him as an ace, I agree with you. Yeah, go ahead and sell him.
1: Well I, I think the reason why you can sell him is because last year we saw all those strikeouts. And I, I love Odorizy. I, I I got to watch him last year you could actively see, actively see the changes that he made. And when he started working the ball uh, at different eye levels, uh, working the zone, and you saw him grow as a major league pitcher. So I love Odorizzi, but you look at the strikeout rate this year, and it's 7.19 per nine. That's down over two strikeouts from last year. And it's more like the real pitcher he is. He's a better pitcher than he was last year. But again, fantasy, I think right now he's a little bit overvalued.
0: Uh, Doug, Shelby Miller, somebody you've talked about on this show in the past. Uh, what do you think? Do you think you could sell him as, hey, this is baseball's next ace? I
1: I actually don't know if you could. I think It might be because I like Shelby Miller most, more than most people. So to me, I don't think I'd get the value that I wanted because I saw him early in the year and, you know, we, we saw last year it looked like the uh, the stuff wasn't there, and he was kind of a mediocre pitcher who looked like he was afraid to throw the ball. He was getting hit hard. He was afraid to throw the ball over the plate. But the pitcher I saw in, I don't know, it was the second or third start of the year for him, that was a dominating pitcher. So, to me, I don't think you're going to get the value. I hold on to Shelby Miller.
0: You know, well, he's somebody that the numbers, his batting average on balls in play is 202. Uh, that's minuscule. That's one of the lowest in the league. And right. the strand rate of runners left on base is 88.5. Both of those things almost certainly are going to moderate. And when they do, the the rest of his numbers are almost certainly going to go with them. So is he doing what he's doing right now? It's a bit of a mirage, but Miller is another good example. He's kind of the, the Eric Hosmer, Alex Gordon of, of pitchers. Here was a guy that was reckoned as this, this tremendous prospect, and, wow, Shelby Miller's coming up. Boy, hey, look at that. Shelby Miller comes up, and he's not all that, and he falls from that plateau. Now getting back to that again is, is a real daunting task, and it's just amazing to me how quickly players are elevated and yeah. how slow it, it, it how long it takes us to get them off of that prospect status, but then getting them back up there. It's almost one of those fool me once, fool me twice kind of a things. But it seems like no matter how good the numbers are, it's difficult to put uh, put players back up on that uh, that pedestal again. So we'll see with Miller, uh, Doug. I'm going to throw a guy out that is a uh, an, an ace by every standard, but he has some numbers that are a little troubling. I'm talking about Zach Granke. and I'm going to talk about the same two things I talked about with Shelby Miller: batting average, balls in play of 220 a strand rate of 90.6. His career is 74 and change. Uh, yeah, he's really, really good, and I think it would take a lot to get Zach Grinky from me, but his value is probably never going to be higher than it is right now. What do you think?
1: Well, and that's why I think it's all about perception, and the same way as Shelby Miller, while I see some regression, is somebody going to pay me what I still think he's worth? With Grinky, who's going to pay more than what he's done the last couple of years. You know, I, I don't think you're going to get, just because he has better numbers right now, I don't know if you get anyone paying any more than they would have last year. He's an ace, and he's one of the better pitchers in baseball. And honestly, if you look at this year's numbers, that 7.79K per nine is a little bit worrying to me. It's lower than last year. So to me, I I just don't know that people are going to pay for – these 1.48 ERAs because we all know they're going to come back to reality a little bit. So to me, it's just a matter of, do you want to trade an ace or not?
0: Right. And and the value that you're going to get in return for him. Right. And do you believe Granke? Granke has shown us that he can pitch like an ace. And are you going to get a fair value just because he's probably a little over his head right now? Uh, Doug, another guy, it might be a little tough to get people to to buy in on is uh, that young man in Houston, Dallas Keuchel. My goodness, um, what he is doing right now really, I, I think, kind of came out of nowhere. A little troubling. Uh, his his FIP is 289, which is still okay, and his batting average balls in play is 220. What what to make of Dallas Keuchel? I, I would be a little concerned about moving him just because. I, I I don't know really unless the the offer just completely bowled me over. I'm not sure we really have our brain around what Dallas Keuchel was going to be as far as a fantasy starting pitcher.
1: You know I, I'm I was slow to come around on Keuchel. I was ready last year the whole season for you know the bottom to fall out. This is not a pitcher that we heard anybody talking about as a prospect. You know we saw two years of ERAs over five. So you you know. <laughs> You got to think, oh that it's going to fall the bottom's going to fall, he's going to go back. But at some point, you have to say this guy is doing it and he's doing it day in day out. Every start is quality and uh, you know, I don't know that he's not a, he's not a fantasy ace because fantasy we need the strikeouts. But other than that, I'm a buyer. I think he's for real, you know. Is he going to keep the ERA below 3? Yeah, maybe not, but it's uh there's not much not to like, and like you say, people probably feel the same way where they're not ready to, to anoint him an ace. But you know, I, I'm holding on to him unless somebody pays absolute full value.
0: Now, can we can we get any prospect value from and uh, you know with his performance with Trevor Bauer? Uh, this is a guy that that was kind of looked on as a prospect. Has had a little bit of a of, of a bump, but. Uh, He's kind of doing it again. Is this somebody that maybe we can get get folks to buy in that uh, that hey, this is not real what you're seeing?
1: Well. You might be able to, but I'm not going to because I think it is real. Um, This is one of those players that I want to throw up. Are we selling high or are you giving away a breakout year? And I think what we're seeing for the most part, you know, there's probably going to be some regression. He still walks too many players for me. But I think what you're seeing is the growth of a pitcher. We saw in spring training, I forget the exact numbers, but he walked, I think it was one batter in spring training. He made an obvious effort about throwing strikes and we're seeing it carry over to a certain extent. Um, Probably not going to see a sub-3.0 ERA. You're going to see that rise because he does get hit here and there. But I do think you're seeing a breakout year for this pitcher, and it's a pitcher that's top 20, maybe not, but I think top 25 pitcher before it's all said and done. So it's just, you know, do you think you can sell high on Trevor Bauer or do you think you're giving away a real pitcher?
0: I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit undecided on Bauer. Uh, what I'm seeing with his numbers, there's there's no red flags that jumped out at me that said, hey, you know, this this is this is a problem. He's 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 over his head. This is gonna fall back. So I'm a little undecided on Bauer. I don't think he can sustain what he's doing right now, but I, I think that there's a pretty good chance that what he's doing right now is. Is emblematic of what we're going to see. Uh, will the numbers be quite as good? No, I don't think so. But I certainly think that there's a lot to be excited about, especially for Cleveland Indian fans, because they're cobbling together a, a pretty nice rotation there.
1: Yeah, I definitely. I, I, one of the pitchers that I'm trying to get people—I mean, I know I'm a little biased because I loved him all year—but Carlos Carrasco. The outside numbers don't look so good, but you look deeper, and Carrasco is a pitcher, I'd be targeting and if you don't have him right now, because all his peripherals say his numbers should be a lot better. It's kind of the opposite of some of the players we're talking about. So,
0: right, and and that's the, and, and that's the other side of this equation is that maybe you can flip a flip a player who is a little over their head for a player that the numbers are indicating is. Pitching or hitting a whole lot better than the numbers show, but Doug, what about the bullpen? Is there anybody there that you, you kind of are looking at and saying, "Well, maybe we're not quite seeing. Uh, you know, what we're what we're seeing is is kind of an illusion, and maybe it's time to sell."
1: Buck, I I don't buy or sell bullpen. I scrabben, I scavenge off the waiver <laughs> wire. I'm going to do anything. I, the bullpen just. Your column is awesome, and I use that chart all the time, but. For me the it saves are just a headache that I try not to deal with so I, I go for established closers. I don't want the top end but I want that next or I just stream in a bunch of guys who and I might hit it big. So you tell me who are these the closers that you think are gonna fall apart that haven't yet. I know Jason Grilly is one whose numbers okay. the save numbers look good but the other numbers don't look so good
0: right grilly is one that uh, yeah it he, he's a little shaky and i'm not a i'm i've never been a big fan of grilly but some of the some of the internals have not looked really good with grilly and uh, he's he's kind of started to show uh show some signs of wobbling uh do i even need to mention fernando rodney he was the <laughs> the, um, the the subject of the uh the column this uh this week uh is somebody that that uh, the uh, uh, they have a young man named Carson Smith, who's one of the setup uh, guys in in Seattle right now, who has just been extremely impressive, and I think he has a, a real good chance to 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 get a shot at closing there. Rodney has has proven to be very resilient. He'll go through these stretches where he's he's just horrible, and he turns it around, and and boom, all of a sudden he's he's back to to being uh, you know almost unhittable again. It's uh, it's been quite a quite an interesting. Uh, an interesting journey with uh, with Fernando Rodney's career, but you know, there, there's nobody really among the closers right now. Uh, Joaquin Soria you could make a little bit of a case for, because uh, you know, of, of a couple of factors, his, his BABIP is, is 182, and his strikeout rate is is only about seven, which is is kind of low for a closer, but he's been really good. And as long as he is in his his strand rate is is silly high, it's 98.5. So there's going to be some moderation there. But you look at who's behind him in the Detroit bullpen, there's really not a a lot. So, you know, that being the case, uh, sorry, is is very, very safe there. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the Arizona situation, but I I don't know if there's if you could sell high on Brad Ziegler or not, I don't think that that's a. <laughs> I don't think that that's that's really in, in play. Um, the the Mets, it's kind of I think it's kind of overrated. Bobby Parnell got got hit pretty hard in his his last rehab assignment, and Familia has just been so good. I I don't think that there's any any threat to to him right now. Probably the the most intriguing thing among bullpens right now is right here in Tampa Bay with with Boxberger, who looked like his old self again today. And, and Jake McGee, and, and of course you've got Jepsen who's pitching very, very well also. So that that has a little bit of intrigue to it, but I don't think there are any real sell-high opportunities with any of those guys unless you're really willing to bet that Jake McGee is going to be the guy, and, and, and if you have Boxberger, you can probably get a great return on him. But I, I don't feel conf, uh, confident in making that assumption right now. So it's uh, bullpens. Yeah, I, I hear you, Doug. It's it's a it's a little bit of a, of a carousel, and you can never tell who's going to be in and who's going to be out. So that's kind of what we try to do with bullpen briefs: is bring bring here. Here's what's happening right now. And and by the way, if you want to if you want to bet on uh, something happening at a major league bullpen of, of huge significance. Bet on it happening either Saturday night or Sunday morning because we published <laughs> the bullpen briefs on Saturday about midday, and and it's happened the last two columns now. Something huge has happened on the Sunday right after we published bullpen briefs, so it's just uh, it's just something you can almost set your set your calendar by. Anybody else we want to talk about among some uh, some sell high candidates, Doug?
1: Well, we 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 talked about this pitcher. I remember in the preseason, and uh, nobody. I, I kind of pushed him a little bit as a a bit of a value, but nobody was buying in. Edison Volquez, uh, are, oh, yeah. are you going to give him a little bit of credit yet? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I don't know. I just <laughs> you know it, it's one of those things like uh, uh, you know I, I just there's certain you, you, you just you go there often enough and all of a sudden they they disappoint you again and it's just i i just i'm sorry no i i cannot <laughs> quite yet buy in on uh, on Edison valquez but but maybe you can convince me in the next uh, 90 seconds or so uh
1: probably not it's going to take me that long to uh say that I'm a little scared of him too and I I don't buy what he's doing that much either to be honest but uh, I I, I rostered him last year as a bit of a I I had a couple injuries and he he treated me well and he's kind of doing the same thing this year I think if he's out there on the waiver right you grab him but if someone wants to pay top value you, you do trade him just because with as high octane stuff as he has the strikeouts aren't there and they weren't there last year so as much as strikeouts are up for hitters around baseball the last few years, I don't know what's up with Volkis. He should strike out more hitters than he does, and he still walks too many. So I think the numbers, the ERA is going to go up, and he's a usable pitcher, but that's about it. I, I'm not that deluded to think that he's more than that.
0: Yeah, and he's he's one of those guys that's just when he goes out there, you, you just don't know what, kind of what you're going to get and those those kind of guys absolutely drive me crazy and whether it's uh, like uh, you know my my this would be one of my great rotations it would have Volquez in it it would have uh Gio Gonzalez and it would have uh Annabelle Sanchez <laughs> <It> would be <laughs> like like three of the guys and then probably Taiwan Walker throw him in there too you just i was, you absolutely do not know what you're going to get when these guys go out on the mountain.
1: I was just going to throw Taiwan Walker's name out there and someone that I like yep. coming in the year and, and you know after his last start he's sucking me in again I'm like hey you know he could do this and it's just uh maybe those pitchers can put some consistency together but for the most part you just have to use those pitchers in context. If if you're middle tier in ERA and you're chasing some wins late in the year and you got to do it, you can ride those pitchers, but they also stand a chance of hurting you elsewhere. So there's always danger.
0: Yeah, if, if you've crushed me like more than twice, I'm really, really slow <laughs> to get you on my roster again. You know, boredom is – I call it the Ubaldo Jimenez rule. <laughs> boredom is good. <laughs> when it comes well, to know, pitching, are... boredom is good.
1: There are certain pitchers – if, you want, if you're playing daily fantasy baseball and you want to win that day, just check and see if I have Clay Buchholz in my lineup for the week yet. Because if I put him in my lineup for the week, he's going to get pounded. But if I don't, if I put him on the reserve, he's going to throw a gem. So just check my lineup, and that you can win some daily fantasy baseball matchups that way.
0: Oh, okay. So just check Roto Daddy's lineup, and who if if uh, if Roto Daddy's got him in, then stay away from it. So yeah, makes it uh, makes it a lot easier. Just one more factor to uh, uh, to consider, as you said in your kind like batting up on
1: balls in play, you know, ERA on my team, you know.
0: Yeah, let's see. Uh, let's see. A R D L uh, appearances in Roto Daddy's <laughs> lineup.
1: Yeah. yeah, just play buckle.
0: We'll, make, we'll make a whole new there. whole new stat there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, present in Doug's lineup. Yes, no. But uh, what else we got this week? Anybody else you want to talk about?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm just I'm excited about the Lightning. So I got that that starts Wednesday actually here in Tampa. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to convince my buddy who's got tickets for the game to take me instead of his dad, but uh, I'm, I'm not too sure that's going to happen. Oh
0: uh, well, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, that, that's that's going to be a tough ticket. And there's no two ways about that. But this this talent is just really really psyched for this hockey team, and and good for them. It's it's nice to see hockey gaining a foothold. I was just looking the other day. You know, the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup, it's it's been a while. Uh, it's been quite a drought since um, since a team from Canada won the cup. And but but it's obviously we won one here several years back. But it's it's great to have a, a non-traditional hockey town. Kind of be in the in the the mix, and with Anaheim and, and Tampa Bay, you certainly have that this year. So, it should be a very interesting interesting Stanley Cup final. Well, uh, and, uh, I'm, lot yeah,
1: I'm actually from around the Chicago area, and so we got the Blackhawks. Uh, so I'm sure. getting catching a lot of flack for being a Lightning fan on on, on Facebook and everything. So, uh, uh, you know, I guess if there's another team to win it besides the Lightning, uh, it could be the Blackhawks. So I'm I got that going. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and, it, and it's huge up there. But uh, Chicago is a huge, um, huge hockey town, of course, and uh, just a great, uh, just a great sports city. Um, uh, all in all. So uh, what else? Uh, what else we got this week?
1: Well, you, we're going to be going uh, to try
0: to get try to get to the Lightning game, but uh, maybe not, huh?
1: No, I won't make it to the game. We will. Ha- we're going to have a big announcement on uh, so-called fantasy experts here in the next week or so. So be on the lookout for that. Some pretty cool product can you, can you, we'll have can
0: you, going. Can, can you tease it at all or not?
1: Well, I can tell you it's for fantasy football, and uh, you're gonna want it for your uh, your next in-person draft.
0: Oh, nice. Yep we we've, we've uh, been doing quite a bit of fantasy football work on uh, on on the website, and I know you've been involved with um, with Rotoman's Rotorman, uh, magazine again, as have I. And it's uh, it's going to looking like a really interesting season. And and what I've you know what, what's gone into the magazine this year, it's it's going to be uh, another really exciting addition, I think. You know, I just I just looked it up here, and uh, the last uh, Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup was it really 1993? Are you serious? <laughs> wow! I'm just uh, I'm just going through looking, and uh, yeah, I, I knew it had been a while, but I'm I'm going back, and the Montreal Canadiens won in 1993. Uh, other than that, we haven't had a, a Canadian team win the Stanley Cup. That's so quite, amazing. Uh, I just quite, never quite a drought, it. yeah. Yeah, quite, quite a drought for uh, for Canadian teams. But uh, are, are you are um, you? Yeah, uh, Roto Man's magazine is going to be coming out. Uh, well, we we don't really have a, a date yet, but I know they're they're wrapping up with uh, with the content, and I know you've been involved in that too. So it should be uh, should be another good one, huh?
1: Yeah, I've uh, contributed a piece about fantasy points allowed by position. Uh, you know, fantasy football has been lagging behind in metrics compared to fantasy baseball, and I think fantasy points allowed by position is one thing that, you know, you talk about season-long leagues and you only have a couple decisions to make on your roster, but when you start talking about daily fantasy football or weekly, whatever you want to call it, uh, you have you have the whole league to choose from. Then the metrics become a lot more useful. You're, you're not just deciding between three running backs on your roster; you're deciding behind a whole league. So, fantasy points allowed by position—it's really finding NFL defenses to exploit. And I think it's huge in DFS.
0: Oh yeah, and that's—and the, the whole advent of DFS, I think, is really going to revolutionize uh, fantasy football because football lends itself very well to a, a daily style of game. And I I think because it's, it's basically a daily phenomenon and you've got you when Saturday, Saturday schedules come along, you've got Thursday, you've got Saturday, you've got Sunday and you've got Monday. So, and, and even in other weeks, you've got Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. So you actually have three or four play opportunities during the week. So, should uh, should be a very exciting year with with as much uh, advancement and uh, as we've seen in in daily fantasy games this year. So look, looking forward to it. Always always a fun time playing a little fantasy football. Yeah, fantasy. What well, well, else that a, for us this week? Good.
1: Oh, well, I was just gonna say, you know, football. I, I, I'm a baseball guy at heart. I've played baseball forever, but there's something about. I, I am one who I don't like the Thursday night football games. I hate them. Especially when you start <laughs> talking about daily, because they kind of throw a wrench. If you play the whole week, well, then you got to have your lineups in before Thursday. And with the NFL and the injuries, right. that stinks. So I hate Thursday night games. Why can't they show a game Saturday night? You know, I know they don't want to compete with college, or they're trying to, you know, right. spread it out. But I just never understood the Thursday night thing. What time do the game start here on the on the uh, East Coast? Is you know nine o'clock or something? Or uh, it's just.
0: I, I think don't, Thursday night games are eight o'clock. Eight
1: o'clock. Are Thursday. they eight o'clock? It's still, you yeah. know, what I'm. I'm getting old, and I got to be in bed by ten. So I, I, you know, some of us work, uh-huh. and I just, you know, give me the weekend games. But every Sunday is like a special event. So that's what's great about football: the build up through the yeah. whole week, and uh, you know, I love them both.
0: Oh, absolutely, and I think an awful lot of fantasy baseball players are also fantasy football players. So, oh, yeah. Any uh, any clo- any closing uh, closing thoughts, Doug? And how do people stay in touch with you?
1: Well, of course, you can get me on Twitter at Rotodaddy. And uh, starting next weekend, I'm going to have a lot more time, and uh, I'm going to start looking at the numbers for the season uh, a little closer. One of the things I want to do is I want to compare current. BABIPs, batting average on ball, balls in play to career averages. That's going to help us see those players that are overachieving are going to fall back. I'm going to do the same thing for pitchers with ERA versus FIP. You know, we just want to see those players who what we see isn't what we get.
0: Yep, absolutely. Sounds uh, sounds awesome. If you want to keep up with me, you follow me on Twitter at Buck Davidson. Always nice to hear somebody come in and and say they've read something on so-called fantasy experts that they uh, that they enjoyed reading. So always looking forward to hearing from you out there. Doug, any last thoughts before we close?
1: No, I'm 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 ready to uh get ready for some hockey.
0: Good deal. Let us get ready for some hockey. Folks, that will just about do it for this week's episode of the Sunday Night Sandlot. We hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to see you again next week. Until then, for Doug Anderson, this is your host, Buck Davidson, saying somebody start the team bus, to the postgame show. This one's in the history books. We'll see you next week, everybody.